There's a prayer that defies what has been spoken over your life. I want to talk to you this morning because I'm telling you the Lord has given me a word here and the Lord has says none of that matters. He will heal it all. This is your moment. Experience God's love and God's peace with us. See what God is doing for your neighbors at Crosspoint. Be blessed with today's broadcast. But we went to Florida. We took the kids to Florida. And we had a, we had a good time. And I want you to understand, we did have a good time, but... If I'm being perfectly honest with you, the, the first couple of days was tough on me. Um, those long drives like that are hard on me. And, you know, Barry and I were having these conversations, and, you know, we all stayed together, Barry and Judy, and all of us stayed together down there. And, and again, had a good time, but it was, he's kind of like I am. Those long drives are, are, are kind of rough, and I was feeling it in my back and feeling it in my neck and feeling it all my joints and 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 honestly um, I just wasn't very happy I'm not a big beach person anyway so I just you know I it just I wasn't very happy but one thing I do like to do is I like to anytime we go somewhere like that whether it's in the mountains or the beach I like to get up before the sun comes up go down to the beach <clears throat> and and just wait for the sun to come up. And so, sure enough, I think it was about the third day, the first two days, I, there's no way I could have went down there. But I finally got up, and I hobbled myself down to the beach. And somebody had left the chair, thank goodness. So I pulled it over, and I sat in it. And I sat there and waited, just in all this m misery, to be honest. And I watched my clock. It said, sun's coming up at 5.44. Well, 5.44 came, and all we had was a little glow. There was an overcast. And so there was no sunrise. It was just that morning light is all it was. And, and that's, where, that's what it was. That's where I was sitting there. What you see there, isn't it gorgeous? I know you can't see a lot of it, but isn't it beautiful? And I was miserable. And that particular time, I don't know what time it was, but it didn't get any brighter than that for quite a while. Now, if I didn't tell you the story and, and, and you just saw that, you'd be jealous. You'd be like, that is incredible. That's where I want to be right now. That's where I want to go. But I was sitting there miserable. And I was fixing to leave. It was obvious the sun wasn't going to peek through. I was... I was about to leave. I was wallowing in my pity. And the Lord began to speak to me. You know how he does when you're wallowing in your pity? And it's never, hey, buddy, I feel you. I'm right here with you. It's never none of that. It's like, what are you doing, moron? And, and so I sat there a little longer, and I just tried to listen to the Spirit of the Lord. And the Lord led me to Psalm 107. I don't really know why, but I opened it up. And, and it says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And let them offer thanksgiving. Let them worship. And declare his works with rejoicing. They that go down to the sea and see the works of the Lord and the wonders of his deep. And I said immediately, I said, Lord, forgive me for complaining. I mean, I, I'm sitting here at one of the most beautiful sights in all the world. And people save up all year long and, and just to go sit and have that particular sight. And there I was sitting there, unhappy. And he began showing me about, about how great this ocean was. And I really started paying attention. And you could see off in the distance. You could see just, I don't know if there was a storm somewhere else or whatever. But you could see the white. I mean, the, the waves were just, 
They were raging way back. But yet, the water came up just to my toe and went back. Just to my toe and went back. That's, you know, I quote a scripture a lot. Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, the earth and all of its inhabitants. For he founded upon the waters and the rivers are its boundaries. Who shall ascend the mountain of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? Those with clean hands and pure hearts, those that have not lifted up their hands to false idols or sworn deceitfully, those will be blessed by the king, by the God of Jacob, of Israel. None of us are pure, none of us are clean, but through the blood of Jesus Christ, there I set forgiven of all my sins and the majesty of his creation. And all he asked me to do was worship. <laughs> I, I happened to notice in the corner of my eye there was a young man, late teens, early 20s, sitting in the sand with his Bible opened up, an actual Bible. A human, early young person had a physical Bible. I mean, he, he still had his phone out and doing this and this. He was, he was studying. I said, whew, this is incredible. And just to be honest with you, the, the rest of the trip was incredible. Wasn't it? We had a great time. It's incredible the things that happen in our lives that is right before our eyes. We don't realize it. I was... Honestly, started tearing up while I was sitting there. God <clears throat> reminded me of all the things, not all the things, some of the things that he had brought me through. I mean, physically, a few years ago, I wouldn't have been able to even make the trip. I sure wouldn't have been able to walk on that sand. I wouldn't have been able to stand there. And yet, here I was. I want to talk to you today <clears throat> about a turn-back prayer. That no matter what you're going through, there is a prayer that shakes the heavens. There's a prayer that defies what has been spoken over your life. There is a prayer that will turn back your finances. There's a prayer that will turn back relationships. There's a prayer that will turn back your health. There is a prayer that changes things. Everybody in here, so I've been praying We've all been praying, but there is a prayer, and I'm telling you, God is wanting to do some things. It's no accident, it's no coincidence that this morning the Spirit falls and suddenly there's, we're talking about worship, we're talking, there's a breakthrough in worship, and God has led me to a message about worship, and we're talking about praying and honoring God for what He's done. I want to talk to those, especially those in here today, who feel like maybe you're just too old, too sick, too broke, too ugly, too worthless, done too much bad. I want to talk to you this morning, because I'm telling you, the Lord has given me a word here. And the Lord says, none of that matters. He will heal it all. Second Kings chapter 18. <clears throat> it says, in the third year of Hosea, son of Eli, king of Israel, Hezekiah, the son of Ahab, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Ebi, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. If you do an Old Testament study when there was a divided kingdom, you don't see that sentence very often. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Most of the time it says he did not do what was right. In the eyes of the Lord. But Hezekiah is a different man. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord according to all that David, his father, had done. David wasn't his literal father. King David was what he was referring to. 
his descendant, he had descended from. He removed the high places and broke the pillars and cut down the Asherah. That's those big, tall poles that they would worship. <clears throat> he broke into pieces the bronze serpent, I like this, that Moses had made. Because sometimes we think, I wonder where that bronze serpent is. Remember that Moses lifted up? Hezekiah busted it in pieces because they had been worshiping that very thing, which I believe is why God took his body, because they had been worshiping his bones to this day. Moses' bones, it is. He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that there was none like him among all the kings of Judah after him. Listen to this, this is incredible. There was none like him among all the kings of Judah after him, nor among those who were before him. The Bible just told you he was the greatest king from that moment on and before. There was no exceptions. We love David. We brag on David. The Bible says Hezekiah was greater than David. We don't talk about that a whole lot. The story takes place in a divided kingdom. I mentioned that. This is after Solomon's death. The kingdom split into two. There was ten tribes of Israel, two tribes of Judah. And, and uh, this particular story we're talking about is Judah. We're talking about Hezekiah was the king of Judah. And his dad was Ahab. He was considered one of the most wicked kings in all of Israel's history. And he had been attacked on all fronts. And so finally, he made a deal with the Assyrian army. The Assyrian king was one of the most ruthless yet strongest military forces in the world at that particular time. And so he makes this deal with him that he's going to pay this huge yearly uh, uh, amount and that will keep them from attacking them and overthrowing them. It's a shakedown. We've heard about that in the cities when the mob would, would you'd have to pay the mob if you had a little res restaurant or a store or something like that. And, and so they were having to pay them and, and it would terribly hurt their economy. We're not talking about 50 or 60 bucks. We're talking about millions of dollars they were had to pay for, to the Assyrians just to keep them from coming in, killing the king, and wiping them out. And Ahab brought in false worship. The Assyrians worshipped Baal and the Ashtarapos, and Ahab brought all that in. He closed the temple where all the Israelites would come to worship, Solomon's temple. He closed the temple up. He stole the gold out of it. He gave it to the king of Assyria. He built a walkway that diverted you from walking to the temple to around the temple. He wanted the king to see that he was shutting down their worship and engaging in the Assyrian worship. He even sacrificed one of his own sons because that's what the Assyrians do. They, they sacrifice to Baal their own children. And here's a king of Judah sacrificing one of his sons. And when he died, this is when Hezekiah began to rule. And he actually was murdered by two of his other sons. I guess if my dad threw my brother over a cliff into a fire, I might find a way to get back at dad too, you know. And so they killed him. And then they took off in hiding. And Hezekiah took over at that moment. Now, they did actually reign together for a little while, but we're not, it doesn't have anything to do with our story today. So the first thing Hezekiah does is he starts taking out these high places. Second Chronicles 29.3, it says, In the first year of Hezekiah's reign, the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. And then the next 30 verses, I'm not going to read them, the next 30 verses describes in detail how Hezekiah, he, he got the priests to sanctify themselves, to wash themselves. The Levites, the Levitical uh, uh, tribe, they would uh, sanctify themselves and they were uh, bringing in the, the sacrifices and he was reinstituting all the sacrifices, all the events, all the things that Moses had commanded. Uh, Hezekiah brought all that back in. And it says that Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced because God had provided for the people for the thing came about suddenly. Sixteen years King Ahaz had done everything he could to destroy this nation. Everything he could, he had turned the hearts of Judah back or, or away from God. He had turned them back into the false idols. 
to Baal. They had done it off and on for so many years. And he had made it so easy. He had built uh, worship and sacrifice places all over where they could worship everywhere. And Hezekiah comes in, and the first month of his singular uh, leadership, the very first month after his father had died, he opens back up the temple that hadn't been open in over a decade. He opens it back up, and he tells them, go in and clean it all up. All the utensils, everything had been sold, the gold had been stripped, everything. And so the, the Levites went in, and they cleaned the place up. They sanctified it. It took them eight days. And after eight days, they went back to the king and told him what they had done. And immediately, they all began to worship. It was just an incredible time to think that, that so many years they had fallen away from God. And just like that, God brought them back. How many times some of us in here have a story where you fell away from God for years and years? And a lot of times people think, well, I'm not going to go to church. I'm, not gonna, I'm just too bad. I've done too much. I'm involved in stuff now. I don't need to go to church. And yet the Bible tells us suddenly God will restore you. Suddenly God will pay back. Suddenly God will forgive just like that. If you believe that you can't be forgiven. You are believing a lie from Satan. I don't care what you have done. The scriptures tell us that you shall be forgiven. You need only ask and you'll be forgiven. And he says they did so. And even the nation was brought back suddenly. He stopped paying the tribute to Assyria. Hezekiah fortified all the outer cities. He built them up, made them strong. So not just a religious reform, but he was building up these cities. He was becoming mighty, and the Lord blessed them financially, and they became prosperous. And we, we have, you know, sometimes you read these stories, and some of them are a little like, eh. You know, as a mature believer, I believe everything the Scriptures tell me. But I do know that it's, some of those stories are difficult to believe. But we have more archaeological and historical evidence to support this religious reform and the military uh, uh, procedures, whatever you want to call it. We have more things to support those than any other king in history that literally outline what the Scripture tells us. Not just in this story, but if you continue on with Hezekiah through the other things where he was having to uh, come against, or the Assyrians came against him. There's a lot of stuff that we've got evidence of. It's been dug up. And it's not just in our Bible. There's other ancient history books that have this stuff written that's been passed down over the years. But here's the problem. All these incredible things that Hezekiah had done, <clears throat> but he still couldn't escape suffering. John 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, in this world you'll have tribulation. He doesn't say, in this world you might have tribulation. He doesn't say, in this world some of you are going to have some tribulation. In this world you will have tribulation. You're going to go through some stuff. You're going to be in bad shape. But take heart, he says, I've overcame it all. And through me, you'll overcome it all. James tells us in 1, 2, he says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, under persecution, under suffering. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. God doesn't promise us an escape from our problems. He promises his presence through our problems. And I would rather, I would rather have the presence of God. I've lived it both ways. I would rather have the presence of God and go through trials than have everything hunky-dory and not know who God is. Because that path will eventually lead to misery. Don't let anybody trick you or fool you. Without God, the day is coming, and you will see hell here on earth. 
2 Kings 18.13. says, In the fourteenth year of King Hezekiah, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and took them. Fourteen years he's been ruling. He fortified these cities, made them strong. Now there's a new king in Assyria, and he's come in, and he's overtaken these outer uh, cities, these outer little communities. And he's took hostage many of the people. He's stolen their stuff. He's destroyed their walls. And now he's right up against the wall of Jerusalem, threatening, waiting, just, just saying, I'm coming in, and I'm going to take you out. Fourteen years. That's bad news, but it gets worse. In 2 Kings, it says, In those days, the days when Assyria was surrounding them, Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him. Hezekiah had gotten a tumor. And he was about to die. It was a fatal prognosis. And he was laying in the bed. He was on his deathbed. And can you imagine what he's thinking? This, this decade and a half, I've been serving the Lord. I, I've turned Israel back to God. And now here I am, lying here in this misery. And they've told me I'm going to die. There's nothing they can do. Absolutely miserable. And somebody says, hey, king, Isaiah's out here. Now, if I'm king Hezekiah, that's exciting news. Because Isaiah is the prophet. Isaiah, he is the voice of God. Whatever Isaiah says, whatever comes out of his mouth will come to pass. Isaiah prophesied all the things that we can re uh, go back and see the things that Isaiah prophesied. He prophesied King Cyrus coming a hundred years in the future. He prophesied Jesus coming. Prophesied when he would be crucified. We have all that. Our Jewish friends don't like to read those parts of Isaiah where he prophesies when he would be when, he, when, the, when the Savior would arise and then when he would be taken out. They don't like to read that part because there's no other way. There's no other person in history that could have fit the description of Isaiah's prophecy. He had to come before the second temple was destroyed. He had to leave. He had to leave this earth before it was destroyed. Jesus was the only one. That fulfilled. So this is Isaiah. This is so you gotta think. I'm laying on my deathbed. They told me I'm gonna die. Isaiah's coming up the stairs, and that's gotta at least be a little bit exciting. Finally, some good news. And Isaiah walks in. He says, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die. And you will not recover. And he walks off. Doesn't say another word. What a blow. When you've got the Assyrian army surrounding you, you've defied them by trusting God all these years. Israel's about being pro uh, prosperous again. Serving the Lord. We've got temple sacrifice, temple worship. Everything's going great. Now I've got the Assyrians. They're out here trying to attack us. I'm so sick I can't even get out of this bed. And now here's this, this prophecy. It's overwhelming. It's too much. But who can take this much? This is where... 60-year-old, godly, church-going women start taking sleeping pills more than they're prescribed. This is where our military heroes take their lives. This is where a godly family man steps out on his wife. It's too much. There's too much going on here. This because there's there's a there's a split second. It's so small. 
where we make a choice. And it always comes when it's so overwhelming. We make that, we make that choice. Second Kings 20, verse 2, it says, And Hezekiah turned his face to the wall, and he prayed to the Lord. So when Isaiah gives Hezekiah this message of doom, he turns to the wall. And, and I would say for just that split second, he's about to give up. I mean, this is the most respected authority in all of the land. You, never, you don't doubt Isaiah. You trust Isaiah. This, this, is the, this is the educated word from the most profound authority in the land. Why would you doubt him? He knows what he's talking about. This is where a lot of us give up. When that authority tells you something, when the person that's supposed to know what they're talking about, when the doctor tells you that word and, and well, that's it. They know what they're talking about. When she says, I want a divorce, no sense fighting anymore. When the bank sends a letter and says, I'm coming to get your car, we'll be there Thursday. Guess I'll put the keys in ignition. Nothing else I can do here. It's that, that fine, that little bitty split second when we accept the word that goes against the promise that we believe in our heart, and we give up, because it's a lot. Job said, I, I, I go forward, God's not there. I go backwards, I can't find him. I go to the left, and, and, and I don't see him. I go to the right, and I don't see him. And do you ever just wonder, where's God? I've been going down this path. I've been, sorry, I've been coming to church. Lifted my hand one day. I've been coming after it, and, and, and now this is, this is happening to me. Where is God? Kind of like sitting on a beach with the waves coming just up to your toes, complaining. Where is God? Well, he's everywhere. He's in this beauty. But it doesn't say that Hezekiah turned over and gave up. It says he turned over and he prayed. And this is it. This is that moment <clears throat> that he can agree with the prophet. He can agree with the word of the Lord. I mean, it's Isaiah. Or he can pray. He just disagreed with God. I mean, why pray? I mean, Isaiah just came in and said, God said, you're going to die. Why pray? And so he does. He begins to pray in, in 2 Kings 20 and 3. It says, Now, O Lord, remember how I've walked with you in faithfulness and with a whole heart and done what is good in your sight. And it says he wept bitterly. Hezekiah said, hold on now. Hold on, God. Now, wait a minute. Look, look at the things I've been doing. Look at the shape Israel was in. And, and, and I came in, and I, and I said, we're going to stop this. We're going to open the church back up. We're going to start preaching the gospel again. We're, we, you know, we're not going to do things our own way. We're going to do it God's way. We are going to serve the Lord. Look at what we've done here. He says, I tore down the, the, the false bales. I, I tore down the sterapoles and, and probably killed the priests. That's usually what they would do to the false idols. To cleanse it. Cleanse the land so there wouldn't be one hidden that would try to draw them out again into false worship. He turned a nation to God. And here he is with the prophecy to die. And... Now he's talking to God, saying, God, look at all these things that I've done. But Isaiah's still walking. 
But we notice that something happens that Hezekiah did something that superseded this prophecy. So how do you override the law of God? I mean, if, it, if it's from God, it's a law. If it's coming through Isaiah, it's a law. This is, this is, this is the deal. There's no gray area. This is what it is. It says in verse 4, before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court. So you, you think of a, kind of a courtyard outside this palace or this large, maybe off-site apartment he may have had would have been huge. But wherever he may have been, there was a courtyard. And before he had actually gone through the outer gate of the courtyard, suddenly the Lord came to him. And he said, turn back. Now Isaiah just walked up to the king. It says, thus saith the Lord, kiss your wife goodbye. Find somebody to take over. You don't have any kids yet. Pick you out a burial plot. Tell them what suit you want to be buried in because you're done. And he leaves. And he gets, just before he reaches for the gate to open and get out, the Lord talks to him and says, turn back. There was a prayer that said, turn back. Now, he'd been praying this, God, remember all the great things I've done. That didn't turn him back. Something turned him back. And Isaiah tells us what it is. When we go to Isaiah 38, he tells us what happened. This is what changed everything. This is what superseded the law of God. Isaiah 38, 17 says, Behold, he's still talking. This is, he's, he's reading the words. He tells you in, in this passage that this is a letter that Hezekiah had written once he had recovered. He's quoting this, Behold, it was for my welfare that I had great bitterness. He said, It was... It was good for me that I went through trouble. That's what he's saying. It was good for me that I went through this. It ain't good when you're going through it. But he says, it was good for me that I had great bitterness. But in love, you've delivered my life from the pit of destruction. For you've cast all of my sins behind your back. I've been forgiven. And I love this. For Sheol does not thank you. Show is a different word that we would call hell. It's not the pit, of, like the flames of hell. That's a different word. But Sheol, he says, Sheol does not thank you. Death does not praise you. Those who go down to the pit do not hope for your faithfulness. The living, the living thanks you as I do this day. The Father makes known to the children your faithfulness. The Lord will save me. Now, he's... Obviously, he's writing down what he was praying and what he was prophesying while he was laying on that bed about to die. Isaiah was out in the courtyard, and he's over here weeping bitterly in misery and pain. The Lord will save me, and we will play my music on stringed instruments all the days of our life at the house of the Lord. Did you see what he said? He said, Lord, if I die, the grave can't worship you. Now that got God's attention. Now, now he says, now, for 15 years, 14 years, man, I've been worshiping you. know, God, I've been worshiping you. And ain't not just me. I'm infectious. I got infectious worship. When I worship, people around me worship. When I walk by people, they fall out of the presence. I don't care. I'm going to keep worshiping. Some of them look at me and they go, what? Anyway, I don't care. I'm going to keep worshiping. You know how I've been worshiping you, God. Been doing this for 14 years. Been doing it my whole life. But been doing it as a king for 14 years. But you kill me. The dirt can't worship you. My old dead bones can't do nothing. And suddenly... There is a law that superseded the prophecy of doom. Now, 
If I step off here, I know I've used gravity before, but think about this. If I step off, I can't levitate. I can't fly. Because there's a law of gravity that pulls me down. And I don't care how many times I try to step off this, I'm going to go down every time. But there is another law, aerodynamics. It's like lift and wind and propulsion, whatever all of it is, I don't know. There's another law that supersedes gravity. So if I'm up here in a little jetpack and I step off and I fire the button, I can override the law of gravity. <laughs> and what he's saying, you got to get this. Today especially, you got to get this. With how the Spirit of the Lord fell this morning, you've got to get this. Because what he's trying to tell you is, if you're laying in your bed, if you've been prophesied doom, if she's already walked out the door, if they're towing your car away, he said, worship, 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 supersedes that law, bless God. Hey! I don't care how broke you are, how bad your credit is, you've been bankrupt ten times, worship me and see if I don't give you a home. Worship me and see if I don't let you start a new business. Worship me and find out. They said, we gotta, you won't be able to walk, you're going to be on crutches, I'll give you a new knee. They cut the old one out and put a new one in, didn't it, Judy? God can heal you, he can put a new one in, whatever's got to take place. Worship. Isn't that amazing? Now we've got to go through 2 Chronicles. We've got to go through 2 Kings. We've got to go through Isaiah. We've got to go through the Scriptures. But if we take our time, we put it together, we can discover that if we just obey God, He defies His own Word. And He goes on... <laughs> And he tells him, oh, Lord, I'm out of time. He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you 15 years. 15 more years. Now, to us, it might think, whoo, 15 years, I better mark that on the calendar. But when you're laying in the bed and the life is dripping out of you, and the prophet comes back up and says, hey, uh, so I was out in the courtyard. Now, I don't know what you and God be talking about, but he told me to tell you he's giving you 15 more years. Woo! And you know, he tells him, Here's what, this is cool, because he doesn't just walk over and go in the name of Jesus, pop up. Or, no. He tells him, I want you to, in three days, go get a bundle of figs, Take these figs, and however they concocted that, put that over the tumor, and you'll be healed. And that's what he did, and he was healed. I'm, I'm kind of back in Michael doing some of the, the Scripture study on the nutrition in the Bible, how the seeds heal us, how the things in the Scriptures, God tells us how we can get healed. And it's, here he is, now he's got 15 more years, but now we've got to think. 15 more years. Now, if it was exact... We could mark the calendar. I mean, Sean, what would we do? What would you do? That's it. You got 15 years. Now, if you're 90, 15 years ain't bad. But I don't care if you're 90. What are you going to do in those 15 years? But if you're 20, 15 years is haunting. What are you going to do? I heard, heard somebody say, I'm trying to remember how I heard it because it wasn't in my notes, but I guess this woman's husband had passed. They were standing, her and her grandson was standing by the graveside. And the message was she was crying, but you never heard her cry out, dirty underwear! A messy room. Hateful. But that's what we do because we think we got forever. 
What if we took that today, right now, as a second chance and just said, you know what? What if it's just 15? What if it's five? What if it's 15 minutes? Amy, I love you. Love of my life. You know, we give God credit for things we do, and we're supposed to, but God will put people in your life to make sure they kick you in the seat of the pants to do what God's called you to do. Now, if you think she's the one that sits at home and goes, well, honey, it's whatever you want. You're sadly mistaken. This is a prophetic woman of God that will say, get up, get going, let's move now. She's also a prophetic woman that will say, don't trust that person, they will stab you in the back. And I get mad at her every time. And every time she's right. What will you do? If I fell over and met Jesus in the next few seconds, the last thing my wife would have heard was how I loved her. My daughter sitting over there, she would have heard. My dad told mom that he loved her right before he went to meet Jesus. Now, I could scream a lot of things right now. She could scream twice as many back at me. But whatever you're going through right now, whoever God's put in your life, if they're in your life, consider them, I hate to use this term, consider them an asset. Eve was an asset. Yes, she was a helpmeet. But there was a reason that God brought Eve along. Because he needed a partner. He needed somebody to help complete, to fulfill the task, to replenish the earth, to build businesses, to preach the gospel, to evangelize, to raise children. Hezekiah was going through the worst moment in his life. And in that split second, he prayed. But Isaiah says he worshiped. That was it. That's the law. I'm telling you, that is, read the Ten Commandments. Go to Leviticus, go to Numbers, go go to Deuteronomy. You'll see an overarching thread. There's a theme. And just everywhere in there you can find that God wants you to worship Him. I'll bless you if you worship me. I'll, I'll, I'll pour so much into you, you won't be able to contain it all. If you worship me. I'm going to read this scripture and we'll close. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says, As it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those that love him. Not what God will prepare. That doesn't mean if you start praying right now, and God agrees, he'll go prepare something for you. That's not what it says. What God has prepared. It's already prepared. When Peter was out on the boat and he come back in, he, was all, he had empty nets, remember? And Jesus said, let's go back out. He said, oh, whatever. He goes back out and he throws his net. Well, Jesus didn't all of a sudden twinkle his nose and a bunch of minnows show up and then they they ate and they grew up real quick and suddenly they had a bunch of big fish. The fish were there. What, What was the difference? Before, Peter was doing it on his own work. But the second time, Jesus was with him in the process. And Jesus had the favor on Peter's life and the fish that was already there accumulated into that net. Your blessing is already there. Your recovery is already there. Your breakthrough's there. Your healing's there. 
Your new home's there. Your new business is there. Whatever God has called you to do, your ministry is there. Caitlin Dukes, your ministry is waiting for you. You don't have to make a ministry. God's already made it. It's already done. I've seen it. I don't like it because it's not here. I'd miss you, and your parents would miss you. What's God told you? Well, you feel like you got to create. You have to create nothing. You realize we have a whole second church service on Monday night. We didn't go build a new building. We didn't buy a building. We just obeyed. And people start coming in. And they hear the gospel being taught. Man, I just love Jesus. I love the way he does these. I'm so hard-headed. And this time next week, I'll probably be complaining about something. God, forgive me in advance. I'm going to put one in credit. (laughs) Because the truth is, I mean, I know I complain about the beach, but man, it is gorgeous, isn't it? I mean, it is beautiful. And to sit there and just to hear those waves and... Stand with me. Let's let's go to the Lord for a moment. Let's all just bow our head and just reverence the Lord for a moment. Holy God. Mighty God, (laughs) creator of all things, we belong to you. This is yours. This house is yours. This is all yours, God. This ministry is yours. This calling is yours. This blessing, this promise, this hope is all yours. God, I know there's people in here today struggling. Hezekiah was maybe the greatest king Israel ever knew. And yet he was surrounded by trouble all around him. And then his health failed. And he worshiped. God, give us the longing to want to love you so much that nothing could interfere with our love for you. That we would worship you in good times and worship you in the bad times. And no matter what we go through, that we would be grateful for those you've put in our life. God, as though... We're not going to live forever as though we could leave this earth anytime. Help us to be aware of how we interact with those you put in our life. Hey, if you're in here today, you just keep this atmosphere of worship. If you're in here today and you need us to pray with you about something that you're dealing with, I want to encourage you to come down here. Amy, could you... Because we want to pray with you. Listen, I don't know why God does the things he does, how he does them, but I do know this, because I've seen the fruit of it so many times, is when you step out and come into agreement with somebody, especially on a day when the presence of God is so incredible, when you step out and come into agreement with one of these prayer partners who will pray with you in confidence, it will not get repeated unless you ask it to be repeated. Things change. It's, it's refreshing to get it off. It's refreshing to open up and talk about it. It's refreshing to give it over to God. And 
and just start from this moment forward. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, I want to ask you to come down today and receive Him. If you feel like maybe you're just in a time where you're just ready to recommit like Ezekiel did earlier, just ready to recommit to God, just give your all to God. I'm going to tell you something, we're living in a time where that decision needs to be made. And just like Hezekiah said, when the people turned their heart to the Lord, there was a suddenly work. God will do a suddenly work in your life when you make that commitment to Him. Jesus. Okay. You believe that if you die tonight, you go straight to heaven. Amen. Well, I'm proud of you making this decision today. It's a big decision for you. Try to be here, help you along, answer any questions, and encourage you, and, and be your extended family here for you any way we can. Okay. watching today's broadcast. If you were encouraged today or made a decision for Christ, let us know by visiting our website. If you believe that you can't be forgiven, you are believing a lie from Satan. I don't care what you have done. The scriptures tell us that you shall be forgiven. You need only ask and you'll be forgiven. And he says they did so. And even the nation was brought back suddenly.